Before we get into the show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Long hours, small teams, uninspiring content. Marketing at a startup is hard work. Thankfully, HubSpot for Startups can help you grow your business without growing your stress. HubSpot's all-in-one platform connects your teams together. Plus, they have a bunch of resources to help you scale, and they offer discounts of up to 90% off. So if you're ready to crush your marketing, look no further than HubSpot for Startups. To see how much you can save, visit HubSpot.com startups. On today's show, we are doing a check-in on GPTs, where a couple weeks after the big open AI announcement, we're walking through some of the best GPT examples and what's actually happened once this technology has been live to everyone and how you can use it in your business. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner, CMO at HubSpot. I'm joined by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the CMO over at Zapier. And this is Marketing Against the Grain. Let's get into today's show. Kieran, we are in the post-GPT era, and I wanted to start out with something, my friend. I don't know if GPTs are a success for users yet, but clearly, clearly they are a success for OpenAI. So I think they were a big success. I think they have opened up people's creativity to like how to use AI. Like you got to think that Sam and Satya are calling up the NVIDIA CEO being like, hey, 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 man, I I know we had these orders for GPUs. I, I need to bring those up higher. Double the amount of orders. Yeah. Can I double my order and can I get them twice as fast? All right. So let's go into... Linus. Yeah, and so there's some like pretty good examples here. One of the examples is how you fine tune the GPT with your own data. So this is an example of someone called Trey Ratcliffe training it with 5,000 blog posts. What he does is he critiques photos. And so he built mm-hmm. a GPT that allows someone to upload a photo and then they'll critique it using his style. This is an example of where I thought GPTs would really excel. Like if you actually upload your content and actually be able to like customize it on that stuff to be able to give that output. I am now starting to think that if this content had existed on the internet, chat GPT is already trained on it. And even though you're fine tuning it through GPT, I haven't found it to be as good. So like, let me uh, give you an example. Please. This is me, right? This is a LinkedIn post generation by me, right? So, oh, you made a little little GPT to write your LinkedIn post. You love a good spicy LinkedIn post. I just post. uploaded my style, like all of my posts. And then I uploaded like instructions, like how I format the LinkedIn post. So let's see if I do, okay, like write me a post on why the GPT store will fail because there will be too much volume and will fail because and not enough quality GPTs. There's not enough friction to creating a GPT, which means the quality will be per for most. I like how you say poor like a purr, like it's a cat. It makes makes me poor. happy. I would say to everybody watching, as Kieran is working on this GPT, Kieran and I are, I think, on a fuel level of empty. We're punchy. Yeah. We're tired. We have gone through the Q4 budgeting process yeah. <laughs> and planning process for next year. And that is always an exhausting process. We were debating whether we should do a show on how to actually survive and do the budgeting and strategy planning for next year, right? So leave us a comment if you want us to do a little deep dive on what we've just been through, or if you're like, nah, that's too niche. We, we want that out of there. So leave us a comment on YouTube if you want that show. All right, Kieran, you just prompted your GPT. 
And let me actually show you a cool thing, right? I so let me do I an I love cool things. Let, let's do an A-B test in real time. Write me a LinkedIn post. I'll just change oh, this. Oh, I, I, I see what you're doing, and I All like right. this. Hold on. For those who are not on the YouTubes right now, you have created oh, a yeah, GPT let me describe. with the prompt to write a LinkedIn post, and you also went into chat GPT, which is not your custom Kieran LinkedIn post trained model, to ask it to create a LinkedIn post about the same thing, and we're going to compare the results, right? Okay, so this is like the bot fine-tuned on probably like 50 LinkedIn posts, 50 to okay. yeah, 50 plus LinkedIn posts. Like it's got enough all in a single doc. And I actually give it some instructions to say, you know, the first sentence should be really punchy. It should be a setup. It should get something that resonates with marketers, a problem or an opportunity. And it should make people curious to want to learn more. The body should be short, punchy, reiterate the problem, reiterate the opportunity, and then provide some points and why you can either solve that problem or go after that opportunity. Now, off the bat, you can see this isn't good because it's not even formatted for LinkedIn, right? It doesn't even look like a LinkedIn post. It looks like a blog post. But even if you just read the start... Like, it doesn't I, even look like a good blog post. It's just no, paragraph after paragraph. You say like one or two sentences. Like I'm like, the format should be one or two sentences to begin with. So this is... It has this weird like style of writing as well. Whenever I use it, it's like, it has this kind of weird, like it's like walking in a candy shop and instead of sweets, it's filled with AI-driven GPTs Each <laughs> or your creative muse. It's like some sort of 18th century. It's like it's trying a little too hard, right? It's trying too hard. So like this is the one that's fine-tuned on my data. Then this is actually even worse. This is the one where it's just chat GPT doing that. Now I could obviously iterate and refine this, but this is my problem is like it actually doesn't do a great job of fine tuning when I provided the content. So one of the things that I found is the reason I brought that up is because Linus's example is one of the ones that I've tried a lot actually is like give it some sort of content that you've created or something that you've mm -hmm. created and fine tune it to be a version of yourself. And even I read through this and it's still pretty generic. Maybe his posts it are is. generic, but I bet you they're not as generic as this. <laughs> his posts are generic. Shots fired. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. I've never read this guy's post, but like- It's just hilarious. And so like Linusic thought this was good, but I do think people are over- Hyping. Hyping, right? And I actually think writing is very underwhelming. There's another one here that I wanted to quickly get into. So this one here is like interesting. So this is a designer GPT. This is actually someone who allows you to create a web page inside of GPT itself. Before we go on to designer GPT, on the Kieran LinkedIn post generator, yes. Kieran, I, I just want to clarify some stuff for everybody listening. You've edited about 50 of your own LinkedIn posts, right? right? To kind of teach its style. Did you give it any performance data or any data that helps it understand which performed better than others, what was good, what good looks like, anything there? I didn't, but I don't think you should need to because in my instructions, I said, this is the style that works, this file that I've uploaded to you. So base mm -hmm. your LinkedIn post on this style, on this format. And actually my LinkedIn posts are pretty consistent in terms of structure, in terms of how I word things and write things. And so I didn't say like this one performs better than the other because the stuff that I give it is the stuff that I wanted to replicate or use as inspiration. So you can iterate. I just feel that it's not super impressive when you fine tune it with like well, content. I, I, I want to come at you with a spicy take here, Kieran, have a little debate before we go into design GPT, which is, isn't the new GPT builder by OpenAI, isn't it exactly what we knew it would be and just how the API has been working? And the reason I say that is because I'm looking at my own team at HubSpot, our work with the API, like the GPT-4 API over the last few months, for example. 
What we have found is that, yes, it is super low friction to create something. You can prompt that API and you can set up some basic formatting and everything and you can get a result. And that is super easy, super low friction. However, all the work is in elongation of the fine tuning, which we have found it normally takes four to 12 weeks of iteration to train the model, train train that work so that it actually gives you the quality of output you're looking for. And so like, I, I think I would make the argument that just uploading 50 po- like yeah, LinkedIn yeah, posts I get isn't that, enough. Yeah. And so there is a barrier of friction here to this the GPT process. The GPTs that are trained and fine-tuned over a long period of time, I think will be really successful. I, I don't think my use case is actually the most interesting use case, but it's the easiest use case to get started with. I think that was... Of course. Because I do think GPTs are super cool in some places. This one here is like kind of interesting, right? Like, so I have a ton of things saved to go over the weekend to start to build some good ones. It starts to show you how you can build apps through natural language. So if I say, create a campaign for this LinkedIn contact, and then I give it your LinkedIn record, yep. it should actually figure out... Oh, okay. So like, this is kind of cool, right? That's very cool. So I set it up. So we're going to set up HubSpot. We're going to set up job of the role. Could you specify Kip's current role? So we're going to specify your CMO. Interesting fact, Kip has a photographic brain and likes tomato sauce ketchup <laughs> i do like ketchup a lot <laughs> so let's see okay let's see what how this one actually i think is getting better this because it creates this it, it can actually pull so it pulls in your details first of all like it, mm-hmm. it you can start to feed it urls like in the way that you could in the web app and then it starts to build this kind of drip campaign so it will build the first email then it will realize that you haven't replied and then build a second email two days later oh, that's cool and actually let's see how it's personalized it couldn't help but admire your ability to recall intricate details. A photographic <laughs> memory is quite a superpower marker. Speaking of details, I thought, let's see, it picked up on ketchup. Did it? This is the first one here. Oh, that is the first so one. So unlocking the a world beyond CRM with HubSpot. Second one, a quick follow-up. HubSpot's customizable dashboard. It's trying to sell you HubSpot. I, I understand you're juggling a lot, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like a certain condiment preference. <laughs> <laughs> and then a, the third one, like, here's my final nudge. Promise it's as light as choosing ketchup for your fries. I just wanted to ensure you didn't miss out on a chance to make your marketing as effortless satisfying as the perfect condiment choice and on and on. So those ones are kind of cool, but this one is interesting. Like we should get into this because this is when it starts. To, you can actually start to build real apps. So first of all, I hadn't seen this before. Data is being sent somewhere. So I hadn't seen that oh, before. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so for our listeners, the first use cases we've gone through are really like use fine-tuned examples to create content, right? I did that for my LinkedIn. That was the example from Linus. That was the example I kind of did for the drip campaign. I ingested data from LinkedIn and actually created this kind of drip campaign. This one here uses GPT-4 Vision to create a web page. And so I said we wanted to create, what's this? I'm actually getting surprised here. Daily breathwork. I like that. I like so this is, yeah, so you can basically create we can start to, I think, customize this. Can you add a photo of a person breathing and feeling happy? But it gave you the whole, it gave you the live webpage. It did give you the live webpage. I wasn't expecting that. I'm <laughs> using this live. <laughs> like you kind of buried the lead here. Yeah. You like prompted this, what is designer and GPT. And created it. That's why I wanted to do it. To build a webpage and it built you a webpage yeah. and it clicked. I was like, what? You clicked a link and you went to that webpage. I was like, wait, what the f*** is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this seems pretty good. Okay, that is... Yeah, that is, okay, so like, 
you can actually just build the web page. So this is when it starts to get like better. Like again, I've always said that I think content writing is the least impressive use case for AI. It's still a bit insistent there, but some of the other use cases I've been looking at are much better. All right. So we're still editing. Okay, we've edited the web page. Yep. I don't know if they're actually, I suppose they are breathing. <laughs> I didn't really specify. <laughs> I just said. Uh, what, what breathing looks like. <laughs> yeah. Focus. They were Gotta give good Can instructions, get, man. Breathing and feel happy. <laughs> it just shows you when yeah. you give bad instructions, you get bad instructions. So that's pretty cool. You can start to actually yeah. design a web page in natural language. In natural language. GPT. All right. So when are GPTs truly incredible? Valuable. I think they're yeah. incredible in two ways. When they're plugged into the multimodal vision yep. and when they actually have propriety data, the data that's not available on the internet, that's not already part of the training model. And when you actually, so like our RevOps team have been using GPTs to do a bunch of data analysis, but they're using propriety data. It's like data no one else would have access to. And it's actually really good. Like it's able to find correlations, causations in the data. It's able to visualize the data. There's a bunch of like cool things when you use propriety data. So one of the things that we said in our original show when we talked about GPTs is this is a gold rush for people with data sets that are yes. currently under monetized and you can actually build GPTs to monetize them in like really clever ways. So I think they're the two ones that I've seen be really interesting is like multimodal and the propriety data. Yeah, that is true. But I think even if you go back to your example, Kieran, of your LinkedIn post generator GPT, right? Like it is still what you have built and like you'll still train it and everything is still better than chat GPT, right? Right. And so if you are just a person who has some reoccurring tasks that it does and you find valuable, it's worth creating a GPT custom and even somewhat trained to do that because it will be better than most out of the box AI tools. Right. I think if you're watching today's show, one of the things you would say is like, take the two to three things you do a ton spend a lot of time and effort on and try to create a few GPTs that basically you can train over the period of months to help you do those really, really well. They might not be able to do them for you, but they might be able to do like 70% for you, right? And right. like that is like pretty meaningful because I think one of the misnomers with GPTs is that the average time to create a GPT, it's been reported as about 16 minutes. Well, that's to create it. You need months to tune it. And after a couple of months, you're going to have and continue to use a GPT. It's going to get very, very good. This is not stagnant technology like the SaaS applications that we're used to. It's going to keep learning and getting better as you use it and as you keep providing more training information. We'll be right back. But let me tell you about a podcast from our network. Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network your audio destination for business professionals. Join husband and wife team, Al and Leanne Elliott, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. Their audience loves the show's unique blend of theory and practice, which helps business owners and leaders simplify consumer psychology. If you enjoy learning what makes people tick, then this is the show for you. Recently, they did an amazing episode on what makes your team say yes. Exploring the Psychology of Influence. Phil Agnew shares his rich experience in behavioral science and delves into the intricate psychology of influence. They explore the fine line between influence and manipulation, uncovering how subtle cues and messaging impact team decision-making and motivation. Whether you're a leader, marketer, or anyone interested in the art of intelligence, this episode is packed 
with strategies and psychological principles to understand and harness the power of yes in teams and organizations. Listen to Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture wherever you get your podcasts. This was a really good example of the one that I said was really valuable where- Peter Levels. Yeah, Peter Levels. He actually downloaded all of the data he has from his Nomad list. He has a huge site in terms of like all of the best places to do remote work. And he downloaded it all, again, unique data set that only he has access to. And he created this Nomad bot that allows you to figure out the best places to work and live remotely. And that was really good. I think he realized, I think he turned it down because I was following one of his threads, that actually the data you put into the GPTs I don't know if you've seen this, is accessible. Mm-hmm. You can ask it to give you the JSON file. Oh, that's cool. It's not that cool because if you upload data and you don't want anyone else to see that data, I can get that data <laughs> from your GPT. So I don't know if that's why he took it down. It's, it doesn't seem to be available anymore. But this was a really good example of one where he had proprietary data and cr- created a GPT around that. So you can see like, if you ask for the largest developer community in Bali, it gives you some really good information. Okay, so like we kind of recap because this is somewhat of a live demo, but we're recap a little bit the kind of use cases we've gone through. So we went through like one of the ones that's really easy to create, which is me fine tuning based upon data that I find. So I've, I created another one based upon Steve Jobs YouTube's. So like any any nice. videos in YouTube's where he talked about marketing, I grabbed the transcript and put it into the GPT, and it could give you marketing advice based upon Steve Jobs. I got all of David Ogilvy's books in PDF format. I don't know if I meant to do that or <laughs> why they were available in PDF format or if that's lied. I didn't really do that, but if I did do that, I would have created this. Uh, <laughs> you would have created an Ogilvy GPT had you done so that? So I created this thing where you can have like a five-day email course, right? So mm-hmm. you can give it your email address and then it will create you a five-day email course based on the lessons of David Ogilvy's books. So they're all ones that are trained on data. So then the next thing we actually talked about was this multimodal one. So actually people being able to like iterate and create things on the fly through GPTs, whether they're logos, whether they're websites, there's a bunch of different ones where people have been able to like, there's another one where someone actually recreated Midjourney within a GPT because they took all the Midjourney prompts and trained it on the Midjourney prompts and then you could just use it like Midjourney. So this one here is like the one that we showed is really cool. Then you have proprietary data. Then we had Nomad GPT, which is proprietary data. Under monetized data sets are going to be huge. This one here is another example of proprietary data. So this is Spotify. Oh, cool. So let's grab this one. So so that you can actually drop a Spotify link to a song, playlist user artist. You can actually explore insights around it. So let me, oh, this is actually, I hadn't thought about this. Providing- What tasks can you do? Yeah, start to think about building it like an app, actually. So you Mm -hmm. can actually show the functionality. Um, And so this one is really cool because it's telling you the actual functionality it has and what you can actually do. So let me just see what we can do here. Oh, let's do random song selection. Yeah, I wonder if we could do something around our podcast on Spotify. It seems like it's all Convert music. It, yeah, if you have a YouTube link song, I can find it. Oh, that's cool. What is it? If you have a YouTube link oh. to a song, let's do like random song selection. It gives us a Spotify link. So this is hooked into the Spotify API. So that's the next part I was going to go on to is this gets really good is when you can start to plug it into APIs, yes. which is when you can get it to use your apps, retrieve information from apps, do things with apps. Okay, get the random song from Spotify. It, 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 it picked Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. To wow, listen to there you again, go. Featuring Cardi B. So the next part really is the API part. Now, I haven't got to the API part. I think we should come back and do an API part. But the thing I wanted to quickly touch on next, because it actually speaks to something I've been thinking through in terms of the UX experience for AI. So like just the creation of these things, right? Yep. You can create 
them in two ways. You can create through natural language or you can go to configure, right? I can start to say, hey, I want to create a GPT bot to teach a founder how to acquire their first 100 customers. And it will start to like build the bot with me. Now, what's interesting about that is this is kind of the, the like, point of view that I would have had that there is, there's going to be this natural language layer on top of software. And that natural language layer is just easier to use and better to use. And then the more I created bots, the more I found myself actually going into the configure screen. So you can see here oh, that it, it itself is configuring itself. It's giving itself instructions. And what I did was I would go in and start to just give it the instructions myself. I found it easier. And so I do think when you go through this, this is a great way to compare and contrast like the old way that we've done things, which is we went in and set things up and clicked around and done things. And the new way, which is like we just had a natural language interface, that there really is a place still for the click, 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 set things up yourself. It's faster in a lot of cases. It's easier to do in a lot of cases. And I think actually more advanced users might not want to go through an AI interface and go back and forth, go back and forth. They just want to do it themselves. Like a developer would probably just want to code things up themselves. Someone who's really advanced just wants to go up and set it up themselves. And so even just the configuration of these is actually a really good, like, comparable in terms of how it feels like to set up a new product through natural language and how it feels like to set up a product in the old kind of configuration way that we would have done in software. I think you're totally right that how we build software is changing how we think about software because you can have such micro use cases with these GPTs. And I think that's something I want everybody watching today's show to understand. But these are these GPTs aren't meant to cover like the surface area of a big heavy web app. They're meant to cover the surface area of like a very small, refined, personal use case. Like, Kieran, how how far away from you are, are you having like a LinkedIn and email autoresponder with like your own GPT for a lot of the common questions people reach out to you with? This is API. So this is when I, so they, they've added actions, right? So you can actually hook GPTs into any software apps. Zapier AI actions obviously allowed you to expedite that and actually hook into Plug many, Zapier. many apps. Yeah, but it's, I get, I'm getting asked about that a lot from people is like, how do I actually- I know you are, I am too. Yeah. yeah. So I think, again, very cool for fine-tuning on your own data. It gives you something really cool plugged into multimodal, like iterated on the website page in the actual GPT. Really cool for propriety data, really cool for some other use cases. But when you start to plug it into the APIs, that to me is like going to be really interesting. And I've started to see some people who have built things. I don't know if you saw this. I have to show this because it's my favorite thing Ooh. that is anyone's done on one of these things. So this guy here. And now... As I move around, he... Here we have a remarkable specimen of Homo sapiens, distinguished by his silver circular spectacles and a mane of tousled curly locks. He is wearing what appears to be a blue fabric covering, which can only be assumed to be part of his mating display. Look closely at the subtle arch of his eyebrow. So basically this guy, what he did was... I'll just describe what he did. Uh, so what he mm -hmm. did was he hooked up his webcam to GPT-4 Vision... And then he used Eleven Labs to have David Annenberg's voice narrate <laughs> his every movement. And so as he moves on the camera, it's David Annenberg narrating his life. And it's absolutely hilarious. So the last thing I wanted to leave everyone with, right? So we've kind of covered the GPTs. We'll do an update, I think, with API access. We've covered the AI UX versus... But I have one thing, other thing to share. Too. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we have the AI versus click, click, click UX. The thing I wanted to just cover on was the GPT store. There's a little hack we can give our YouTube listeners and how to find all the GPTs. So, okay, you want to show our it? boy Rowan over at the Rundown, he built a GPT 
to find the best GPTs. Oh, did you see this? I didn't see that. So you, he built a GPT that we can all use. Links right here. We can leave it in the show note. But you basically use this GPT to explain your use case, and it will then surface the best GPT you should go and use to solve that problem. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so that's it's like a GPT that recommends other GPTs, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. The other way you can do it is, so you can actually search OpenAI's website. Yes. You and I were WhatsApping about this. So this is a I great actually, hack. So like they're all in this GG folder. So if you mm-hmm. do site colon chat.openai.com slash GG, there's about 6,970 here, but it starts to pick up a, a bunch of the ones that you can look at. And you can d- add different search queries at the end of that. Yeah. And you yeah, know, if yeah, you, you could want tie, just the marketing put, ones, for example. I could put marketing here so I can find all the marketing ones. I can put stock. So there's like 45 stock GPTs. Uh, I can put sales. So there's 21 sales. So how many marketing are there? So that's pretty interesting, actually. So marketing, people have built 94. 94 marketing. Design, 205 design. So there's a bunch here, right? So there's already like seven, 8,000. So if you imagine the app store, when it first went out from the iPhone, I bet you there wasn't seven, 8,000 apps the week after. In the first so couple weeks, what, no way. What does this speak to? It actually speaks to a problem this GPT store has to be valuable. Not just the name. The name sucks, but actually I guess it's a brand <laughs> for them. But the low barrier to creating a GPT is problematic for the store. The fact that there's no friction means that it's going to be overwhelmed with low quality, just GPTs with very little value. And you're going to have an app store or a GPT store probably in a month's time, two months time with maybe a hundred thousand and 99% of them are going to be the, some of the ones that we show, which are like cool, but not that valuable. And that is where I think they're going to have some problems and how they actually surface ones that are really valuable. will get ongoing usage. So it's kind of cool the way they're in your sidebar, but I've added a bunch and I haven't found myself going back to them. I just go back to ChatGPT. And so they're going to have to really solve this use case problem. Now, I don't know if they really care. I think, it, again, this could just be a cool thing to release they get a ton of traction, a ton of publicity. Huge. It's not the most important release in their dev day. It's the coolest one. And so maybe they're fine with that, but it has some similarities to the plugin store where plugin store did have more friction, but it just, it doesn't make you want to go back and use these things day in, day out. Like you just gravitate towards ChatGPT. There's the experience between one of these and ChatGPT in a lot of cases, it's just not high enough to pull you over to continue to use that new GPT. Well, Kieran, It's friction overall, right? Like what OpenAI is taking, they're taking the Android approach, not the Apple approach, right? The Apple approach was you have to submit your app to us and we will approve whether this app is good enough to get in this app store. The Android approach is, yeah, build an app, put it in the store, and if it's good, people will use it, right? Which just means there's a lot more noise. But the friction to create an app is higher than me uploading the document and giving some instructions. Well, that's yeah. what that's what I'm saying. It's the Android store philosophy, but with even lower friction, which but is even what lower you're arguing, friction, right? right? And I think what could happen is you have a ton of noise, and then you have to figure out, and you have to give the right search and marketplace layer to help people truly find the good stuff, which. I don't think OpenAI is in a hurry to do because I, I don't think this is, the, like you said, the top priority for them. So I think in the short term, it's going to be a lot of, about us making GPTs for us to use ourselves versus right. maybe going and finding a GPT that we're going to go and use every day, right? right? I think those GPTs that we're going to use every day come back to what Kieran said, is that the secret sauce to GPTs is the data proprietary data and how they access and leverage APIs to actually go and do tasks for you. Like the website generation example that you showed Kira, where it's like, oh, you're actually like going to go and actually make a web page that I can go look at. 
Like that right. is really meaningful. And as that gets better and I could maybe just go ahead and host and publish that website, like that becomes very, very interesting, right? Yeah. Yes. So I think next one we do a check-in and we build some, I will have some stuff built through APIs and we will see then. Ooh. Yeah, we'll keep doing GPT check-ins. Every month or two, we'll check in, see how it's going because it's technology that as it gets better is going to have a big impact, but we're definitely super early on. Some cool use cases right now, some interesting ways to go and find GPTs that might be useful to the work that you're doing day to day. Kieran, I thought you did a great job just walking through some of the examples and kind of where we're at in the current state of GPTs today. Yes, I did do, considering I'm mostly asleep right now. <laughs> Kieran is borderline comatose right now. He's showing up for the viewers. He's showing up for the viewers and that's about it. Because if it wasn't for you all, Kieran, I think, would be asleep, curled yes. up in a little ball on his floor. Exactly. With his dog coming to like lick him and wake him up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Both of them. I would love that. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right. We will see you very soon on the next episode of Marking Against the Great. <laughs>